When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, it's my favorite time of the week, and I hope it's your favorite time of the week, too. I know it's Chris Sinzak's favorite time of the week. I'm Aaron Camaro, and yes, this is the Decibel Geek Podcast. Welcome back to it. If you're new, welcome in. If you're your old friend of the show, welcome back. As always, we've missed you guys. It's been a long week. Yeah, it has. Uh, I crawled out of my igloo to come over here and, yeah, and no talk kidding. to you. I feel like I've been shoveling since the last time we sat down to do the Decibel Geek Podcast. I can imagine. Yeah, we're in snowy Nashville, Tennessee. That's all gone now, though. That's yeah, the beautiful it's all, thing it's all... about it. Yeah, you think about last week, it was all on the news and stuff. We're getting killed down here, and then all of a sudden today, it's gone. Apologies to our East Coast listeners that are dealing with much right, more than yeah. we had to deal with. Way more. Hope you're uh, sure. staying warm and listening to lots of the archive. Heck yeah, man. We had a good time last week. Had we a lot of fun. I like that a lot. With a headline of a show that raised some eyebrows, for sure. <laughs> Got you to listen, though, didn't it? <laughs> But it was cool just to take the time to showcase two yeah. of the most fantastic characters in rock and roll history. Absolutely. And just and tell funny stories and just enjoy it and, and remember them. We will be doing Abe Vigoda cover songs soon. <laughs> he just passed away today. Oh, man. That Sorry. sucks. It's too soon. Okay. All right. Well, it's time to bring it up. When you're feeling down, what brings you up? I know what brings me up. Five-star iTunes reviews. And, man, we've got another one for you today. And this one's entitled Great Show and Music. Came to us uh, on January 15th. Here's what it says. Hey, guys. Great podcast. I searched for Pantera and came across the podcast on Dime. We sure all miss him. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. We all sure do. Ever since I came across you guys, I really enjoy listening to you during my workday and on the drive home. The classic to new music you play is just awesome. I have to say, I'm going to enjoy downloading all your podcasts, and I'm definitely addicted. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for all you do for us metalheads. Benzo and SoCal. Fantastic. Lot, I love it. Love hearing from new listeners. That's they love us, awesome. man. They love us out in California. That's true. Yeah? Awesome. Sweet. Thanks, man. We love the iTunes reviews. Hit us up anytime you want to let them know that we're doing something good here and that classic metal and hard rock is still alive and well. Tell them at iTunes by supporting the Decibel Geek Podcast. Leave us that five-star review. We'll read it on the show. That's true. And uh, the next thing we got to get to is Geeks of the Week. Um, these are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter last week's Bowie versus Lemmy episode. Uh, Geeks of the Week this week are 
Lars Oyvind Heldon, Mike Blunt, Rich Canamar, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joey, and Wiley from Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Rob Harris, Paul Stam, Justin A6, Kevin Williams, Tommy Black, Darren Park and Cobras and Fire Podcast, Mark Alden Taylor, Rock and Ron Runyon, Aaron Baker, Tim Dodge, Brant Cattell, Shane Abair, Adam Cox, Baco, Paul Stanley, P-A-W-L. Wow, he's my favorite one. <laughs> Me too. Uh, the Mooger Fuger Hoops, Derek Novak, Ernesto Aguiar, and Ken Chase. Wow, man, that's cool. We always love our Geeks of the Week, the yes. people out there sharing and supporting us by getting the word out about the Decibel Geek Podcast. Now, one thing I noticed, man, I wonder, should we do? Should we just change this into a Warrant Podcast? Oh, you mean because of the, the popularity of that one? No, we got to mix one, it up. That one seemed to have gotten shared quite a bit more than Bowie versus Lemmy. Well, yeah. Like, by a ton. Well, yeah. I mean, more. I think more of our core audience is into more than those. Or maybe there should just be a Michael Wagner podcast. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of listeners would be happy to have have him on every week. He'd probably get more, more downloads in his first episode than we've gotten in five years. Probably so. <laughs> his resume is better than ours. That's true. That's yeah. true. But um, we've got to say, you know, we appreciate the support from you guys that shared and everything. And, yeah, um, we do. And you, you, you saw the artwork and the title, Sunset Strip Memories, but there's a special reason that the listeners of this show are important for this episode. Absolutely, because without the listeners to the Decibel Geek podcast, this episode would be impossible because this is a special Decibel Geek VIP deal we got going on. You know, and we've told you about it before, where you can become a co-host with us on the Decibel Geek podcast. We can do whatever. We can play some tunes that you want to talk about. We can just talk about, you know, your rock and roll experiences. And man, you know, I knew this was a good idea when we started out. But this, what we're doing today, mm -hmm. this solidifies it that this is genius. Because <laughs> we're getting great stories out of rock and rollers just like ourselves, yeah. you know? And so what you're going to hear today is our great friend who's been with us for so long, Gregory Muse. Yeah. And he's been a friend of the show since way, way back. Way back. Way back. And so it was no surprise to me that he was the first man that was brave enough to take the jump and join us for an episode of the Decibel Geek podcast. Yeah, and it's a, he did it through the VIP thing. And um, just if you go to the VIP link on decibelgeek.com or go to patreon.com and just type in Decibel Geek. But there's different levels of subscription, and each level will give, give you different benefits. Mm -hmm. But the one he picked is the highest one you can do, which he gets all the benefits but he also gets to do an episode with us. And yes. you can do it too, and we'll have the link on the show notes for the VIP like we always do. But mm -hmm. this is just kind of a good way of giving you a preview of what is possible. But it's also, and it's not just about money here, it's it's a really good episode. I think we're I think you're oh, really going to enjoy the talk. I enjoyed the conversation greatly. G Greg was... Greg grew up near the Sunset Strip in the late 70s and early 80s. He is and the, was right in the middle of it all. He is the saint of Los Angeles. Right. No doubt. <laughs> But he had amazing stories, and um, as you'll see through this whole week on the Facebook page, as you'll see also in the artwork, uh, he sent us a ton, and I'm not kidding you, a ton of old flyers and Motley Crue fan club membership stuff yeah. and pictures. Stuff you had to be there to get. Yeah, to stuff see. that you had to literally be there. This is like when these bands were really brand new, and I'm going to be posting those throughout the week on the fan page. And guys, you know, the, the link to this episode will be on those pictures too, so share those up as well to get the word out but uh i think it's a really good snapshot of what was going on in the early 80s and uh his the, stories are really entertaining in the coolest place 
you could possibly be at that time. Yeah. And he was there, and he lived it, and he's going to share that whole story with us here today. So, are you ready? Yeah, man. This is awesome. Let's talk to Gregory Muse. You grew up in the L.A. area, correct? Yeah, I uh, I actually lived in uh, Yorba Linda, which is a small city in Orange County, California, which is basically you know a little bit south and east of LA. You know, maybe an hour's drive with good traffic in LA because LA has <laughs> the world's worst traffic. But you know, close enough, you know, that you were there, but you know, certainly not living right on the strip by any stretch, but was certainly close enough, you know, to that area. But yeah, that's kind of where I grew up and where it was all kind of kicking in and. You know, it was definitely an interesting time back then, as you know, even as far back as it was, because you know, it was the right age. I mean, basically, and when the strip was really going for me, it was you know about 1981. Okay. You know, at that time I was, you know, it was my senior year in high school because I graduated in '82. So it was kind of just at the right time. It's funny how you know when you look back in time, and I know back then I was like, God, if I'd just been born, you know, a little bit earlier. Um, you know, I could have seen, you know, stuff like, you know, Aerosmith back in the day, you know, in the beginning and, you know, and Kiss and all that stuff. Cause you know, uh, for me, you know, uh, I know you guys are big Kiss fans and then, you know, that's kind of where my head's always been at. I mean, I discovered them in 76, so I was, you know, uh, 12 years old right. and, uh, first album I bought was the originals. I remember the commercial coming on mm-hmm. TV and, uh, um, earning money by pulling weeds in the backyard for like a week so i could get that cash together so i could go pick up that album and Hell i mean that yeah. was you know between the album and then seeing them on paul in that year that was you know was life-changing okay. for me and that, that was it yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was good and bad though because you get so sucked in by kiss yeah that you kind of tune out a lot of the other stuff you do you know yeah. there was you know i was into you know aerosmith and ted nugent and queen and you know stuff like that you know, kind of the big bands, you know, the ones that were always featured in the circus magazine, you know, who had the top album, you know, that type of thing. And was kind of into that. And I, I'd say that my first introduction to the whole sunset scene was definitely Van Halen in 78. Right. Um, but at that point I was, you know, what, 14 years old. So I, I wasn't, you know, wasn't old enough yet to really understand me that I just, you know, that that first Van Halen album was just awesome. I was like, wow. You know, I hadn't really heard anything like that because, you know, when you think about that time, you know, Kiss was doing the solo album stuff and they were kind of, you know, definitely wimping out. It wasn't the same, you know, hard stuff, you know, still loved them. Hadn't seen them live yet. I didn't see Kiss live until 79. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, once again, I was still sucked into it because it was that was what really mattered. Right. And then uh, so, you know, but Van Halen kind of turned me on. I was like, all right, this is some really cool stuff. And, you know, still kind of hanging out, but not really, you know getting into that senior because I was still too little you know so by the time 81 rolled around in senior year in high school when I had my car it was you, you could move you could get out and you know go places and do things and and it became more apparent at that point because by 81 you know what's Kiss putting out music from the elder now I know a lot of folks <laughs> love that album now uh-huh. or they say they did way back then yeah I bought it the day it came out right uh-huh. I hated that album the day it came out. Thank you. I have a, a much better appreciation for it now, but that was not a Kiss album. It, what was it? What, well, let's start with Kiss. What was your initial impression when you first hear that that album? Were you just, it was a complete what the fuck moment? 
pretty much but i mean you could almost, you could actually rewind that back to the you know to the solo albums because yeah. i bought jeans first because i'm a i'm a jean guy yeah and i'm sorry but when you put on radioactive in that weird ass intro in the beginning uh-huh. i literally thought somebody put the wrong music <laughs> on the vinyl oh wow yeah what is this you know and this then it finally sounds kicks a Halloween in. soundtrack this is yeah. John Simmons that album. intro does suck <laughs> there's always the version out there without it and it's way better yeah you know so you're listening to that I'm sorry by the time you get to the album it's when you wish upon a star like I said uh, I have a better appreciation for that now right but it just you know they were really doing some weird stuff you know and I certainly didn't get into Judas Priest by that point it, like I said the only band that was kind of on the upside to me was Van Halen, you know, because obviously by 80, Women and Children First, 81, oh, yeah. they did Fair Warning. I saw Van Halen for the first time on the Fair Warning tour. I oh, mean, nice. it killed, it crushed, you know, but you're still, like I said, music from the Elder comes out. And I'm like, this is crap. Yeah. I've got to find something new, yeah. you know, and so you're all hanging out with your high school buddies. And at that time, you know, uh, obviously there was no internet or everything. I, I put an ad in Circus Magazine back in, actually it was back in about 79 for Kiss fans to write. Mm-hmm. And I got a hold of a bunch of friends that way that I still kind of keep in touch today. One of which, uh, Peter Arquette, that does the whole oh, Kiss yeah. Museum. I know who Peter is. Yeah, that's how I met him. And uh, I still stay oh. in touch with him. I still, whenever I'm buying Kiss stuff, I always buy it from him. Peter's a fan of this show. Yeah, he's a he's a great dude. Yeah, he's I'm, a really He sent me messages on the Kiss-related stuff we've done and how much he loves what we do. So yeah. what, you wrote in a circus and were like, if you're a Kiss fan, write me pen pal letters? Yeah. Yeah, they had their they had their whole classified section in the back. I wish I still had the ad. I probably could find it somewhere. Probably. But yeah, that's that's how you got a hold of people, and it was really kind of cool because that's kind of what started, you know, like for me, bootleg trading, you know, for Kiss mm-hmm. stuff and and things like that, and uh, and that's kind of how you dealt with things, you know, with the scene. So I met some friends that actually lived in my neighborhood. You know, they saw the ad and they said, "Well, forget writing them. Let's just call them up. We can find them." So that's they that's how they got a hold of me. They called me, and you know, we're kind of lifelong friends after that and we all you know they went to a different high school but we all kind of grew up together and and one of my friends uh at the time his name was pat and uh he turned us on to this band called august red moon mm-hmm. and they were based in anaheim right the, you know the orange county type thing and this was probably mid 81 and he said you know because he we all like kiss he said you'll like them you know they they kind of do the eye makeup thing and they got ratted out hair and they, you know they play really good rock and roll and, and whatnot and I said, yeah let's go check them out so um there was this place called the woodstock concert theater in anaheim and it was just a, a dump of a bar an absolute dump but hey you could get in there serve your beers it didn't matter you know, back then it wasn't a big deal that obviously that it is today right. and so we used to go there and, and see them play and i was like wow there's these you know there's bands out here you know and, and there was other bands that that opened for my leatherwolf opened for them i remember at one point nice. you know cool. and, and the thing i remember about leatherwolf was the three guitar attack and they played the best maiden covers you ever heard oh really it, killer maiden covers I bet, yeah. That's totally where that band came from, influence-wise. And just uh, so like I said, you know, got to know the guys in August Redman, because back then it was real easy. You know, after the show, they were breaking down their own, you know, gear, basically, and you could talk to them and everything. And I became pretty good friends with the, the singer, Mike Henry, and uh, we ended up hanging out with those guys because it was a really family-oriented type band. The, the mom and the dad were kind of helping them with the band and running the band and everything. So we'd go over to their house for parties and stuff like that just really cool so that was kind of my first introduction they did a an ep called fools are never alone and had had some 
pretty decent success with it. They they were on one of the Metal Massacre albums. I think it was uh, I think it was the third or the fourth one that they were on. And I mean, all those Metal Massacre albums, they had everybody on those at the time. Metallica was on it. Yeah, uh, was on it. Uh, uh, Bitch was on. It. I mean, just a lot of those bands were all on it. So it was really, you know, kind of a, a feather in their cap at the time. Um, so you know, just kind of checking them out and and spent a lot of time watching them. And it was like, okay, now that I found them. There's got to be more, right? Yeah, and, you know, oh, a lot so, more. And, I mean, we were hanging out at Radio City, uh, which was another club that was next to the Woodstock. It was kind of a nicer club, um, and I remember seeing Striper there nice. for the first time. Wow! And that was way back in the day. I and I want to say that was probably that had to be probably '81 or '82, somewhere in that time frame. Wow, that's really early. Probably, really? probably right, you know, after they were done with the whole Rock regime thing. Yeah. And, and the whole myth about them throwing Bibles out in the crowd. Now that's true. Yeah, yeah, they really did. It, yeah, it really did it, and I never got one. Then. And it was really weird back then because I mean, yeah, they were definitely the polar opposite of everybody out there, just kind of doing their thing. But they had great tunes. I mean, you know, they had great tunes, and hell, Michael Sweet could sing like nobody's business, well, and Oz right. Fox still can. Up. So what was <laughs> like? What was the reaction from the crowd even back in them early days when you're just talking about like in a small club and they're tossing out the Bibles? Were people like, "This is awesome," or were people all like, "This is weird"? I, well, I, those that didn't know who they were thought it was weird. Yeah. And those that were there to see them, you know, they dug it. You know, it was cool. But there was never, you know, the whole, uh, you know, how, you know, you had the devil worshippers on one side and the Bible thumpers right. on the other. It was never like that. It was just, you know, they were just kind of there. They always did their own thing. And, you know, they never had a problem, you know, with any of that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, I will say this. There, there was one one little band that I want to share that I did see play at the Woodstock. And that was probably in 82. Cause that was really when the, all this time was happening. And, uh, it was funny cause my friend Joe was really into this band. He said, dude, you got to check them out. They're going to be the next big thing and blah, 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 blah. And, and this was definitely after Motley had kind of made it. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely probably more towards 82 in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, all right, I'm fine. I'll go. And, uh, I watched him perform and I said, I just, and this, I was wrong on this one by all intents and purposes. I just don't see how they're going to make it because the singer can't sing. (laughs) That band was Metallica. Oh, Metallica. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was Ron Ron McGovney and uh, Dave Mustaine days from Metallica. Oh, wow. The early version. Yeah, it was real early before they took off to go to San Francisco when, you know, because they weren't cutting in LA because everything was all glammed out. They were so different. Yep. And it was like, I said, I just, I said, I don't see how this is going to work. And we, it was like, because you could kind of tell, you know, as you started going more and more to all the clubs and seeing all the bands, you said, all right, these guys have got something, these guys don't, you know, they, you know, whatever, this is working, this isn't working. So and I just really like thought. a connoisseur at this point, like a rock and roll connoisseur. Yeah, it was just, it was just, you looked at it and go, I just don't see how that's going to work. And boy, I couldn't have been more wrong on that one. <laughs> but, uh, so at any rate, you know, I kind of dealing with the, the Orange County thing. And it was like, okay, I need to get to L.A. Because that's really where everything's, you know, happening. Um, Band Magazine was, you know, in all the record stores. And, uh, you know, it was nothing but ads of, of bands playing in L.A. You know, so you'd open up the, you know, Band Magazine. And, okay, which one looks the coolest? All right, let's go check them out. And uh, I remember really early on one of the first bands that I went to go see in L.A. And it was because their ads was Motley Crue. Yeah. yeah. Where did and you see I, them play at? Um, I think the very first time I saw them play was at the Whiskey. Okay. And that was back in late 81. I can vividly remember driving, you know, to Hollywood 
listening to music from the elder <laughs> <laughs> you know and what getting the there and it was like it was like oh you know and we just really hyped up to see them you know hadn't heard any of their music but they look cool yeah that's all that mattered because they had the look even way back then mm-hmm. and i remember getting there and, and it and they were it wasn't too long after they first started playing like at the starwood so it was really early on yeah um I remember I got the ticket to float around somewhere five dollars and fifty cents to get in to see Motley Crue. It was wow. you know, it was awesome. <laughs> so, well, and I gotta imagine that Tommy Lee, even at that early stage, was just a fucking monster on the drums. Yeah, you, he was clearly the best member of the band yeah. musically. You know that he just really had his act together. That he was really good. But my favorite was Mick. Yeah. Every time we went in yeah. to go see him. I'd get over to his side of the stage. You'd line up early. You know, it was all general admission. So as long as you got there early enough and you were willing to deal with being, you know, compressed to death by, you know, being up front. And back then it wasn't so bad. You know, nobody was doing the mosh pit crap or anything like that. So it was it was enjoyable. I mean, you were still getting crushed, but it wasn't as bad. And we'd always go over to Mick's side of the stage. Yeah. And just watching him play. And he reminded me, well, not so much then, but looking back on it now with his stage presence mm-hmm. and how he performed in a lot of ways reminded me of how uh vinnie vincent was on the creatures tour really yeah and this all kind of ties in later on with as i'm kind of going through the whole la scene but we you know we would go see motley Crue all the time they were doing um friday saturday sunday nights uh at the whiskey and we'd go all three nights mm-hmm and uh and they had no problems you know selling out i've got all the old original ads you know from that time from i really got into motley crew motley crew in essence for me became my new kiss i was still listening to kiss but they weren't putting out anything good yeah motley right. was playing killer killer stuff i guess so to somebody like you the torch had really been passed you know? yeah. yeah and it was just it was really cool I'm, i was going through some of my old motley you know crew souvenir stuff from way back in the day and i found not the original set list, but as soon as the songs were done, we wrote them down. And this was the set list of what they played back in one of the very early shows. Take Me to the Top, Running Wild, Toast of the Town, wow. Piece of Your Action, Merry Go Round, Survive, Come On and Dance, Too Fast for Love, Starry Eyes, wow. and Live Wire. And then the encore with Helter Skelter and Jailhouse Rock. Holy shit. Wow. It's a hell of a set. And it was a hell of a set. And songs like Running Wild, which never really got released, one of their best right. tunes ever. Yep. Survives an awesome tune. Yeah. Toast of the Town, Peace of Your Action on the single they, you know, that they put out. I got a copy of that single. It was later on after the fact, but I finally managed to get a copy of that single. And uh just you know they were killer to watch live and yeah. anytime you know and they would play basically once a month whether it was at the whiskey and that's how i got to go to all the different clubs wherever they played i went to they, you know one month they're playing at the whiskey next month they play at the roxy come on we're going to the roxy mm-hmm. you know and then you just kind of watch them go from club to club to club and they at one point i think they played the troubadour i know at one point they played the country club which was out in Reseda, and then they wound up at you know playing perkins palace mm-hmm. and then that big show that they did at santa monica civic right before they got signed right you just you just watched them grow it was well, so cool and let yeah. me let me stop you for a second wow the, the, i think the, the, the we found the title of this episode and it's greg muse makes everybody jealous right but uh, 
but I got it was just the best time to be there, man. I got no shit. But wow. I, I gotta point out real quick that this is the definition of a quote unquote scene because we're talking about basically local clubs and the. I mean, Aaron and I are here in Nashville. Aaron grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up in Nashville. Yet we know every single one of these places that you're mentioning. Right. Oh, yeah. And oh, like yeah. that really is a testament to how powerful that scene was. Right. When I've heard of Perkins Palace, the Troubadour, the Whiskey, yes. you know, the Country Club, they're they're like places of lore and you actually were in them. But like, I don't know. I mean, you have to realize the impact of that is like people on the entire other side of the nation, even back then before the internet, yeah. knew about these places and were aware of them. Yeah, they were just, they were great places, you know, and, and like I said, you're not really thinking about it at the time because you're just right. going and experiencing yeah. it. And it really was a scene, man. You know, you'd get down there and, um, you know, the crowds, you know, like I said, the more popular the crew became, mm-hmm. the just the more insane the Sunset Strip got. I mean, you know, it, you know, it used to be you could show up maybe an hour or two early. You know, it got to the point you had to show up like three, four hours early because it was that crowded. It was that insane. You know, trying to find a place to park in Hollywood was a joke. Um, you know, especially if you wish to have your car there when you got back. Um, you know, uh, and just all the people and just everybody, everybody dressed the scene. I was guilty of it as anybody else. You know, spandex pants, more Aquanet in your hair than your mother ever had, all that good stuff. You know, it was all part of, but that was part of the fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the girls were there, the girls were hot. You know, you, you know, you could meet girls, you, you know, it, all that stuff was just, it was happening. It was a real happening, fun scene. And it wasn't, it wasn't pretentious. People weren't, you know, looking down on other people for, oh, well, you like this band, but not that band. You know, it just, everybody was there all for the same reason, for just to listen to some really good music mm-hmm. and, and just really, in, you know, enjoy what was there. You know, I can remember, you know, in a lot of the opening bands, it, it was cool then, you know, for the opening bands, because you, you were going to be exposed to something new, you know. Yeah, I'm driving all the way down to Hollywood. I'm not going down there to, you know, to see. I remember seeing in the early days, seeing a la carte open for um, mm-hmm. Motley Crue and Stormer opening uh, for Stormer Motley Crue. Was, uh, Tim Gaines's band. And St- yeah. Tim Gaines joined Striper oh, after yeah. Stormer. Yeah. And it just, you know, you're seeing these bands and it's like, okay, this band's cool. I'm, you know, I remember early days, I remember seeing Rat Down. And I don't know if I saw Rat headlining or opening for somebody, but I remember seeing Rat Down in that day. I remember seeing Armored Saint down, in, you know, down there during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the only the only other one that was really big to me, because like I said, I was I was into crew, man. I, I tend to lock into one band and, and that's pretty much it. I was still listening to the other stuff. And by the time they got signed to Electra and, and you know, they were doing the Santa Monica Pacific and everything and, and shout at the devil was coming and they kind of went from how they looked on too fast for love to where they were going to shout at the devil. To me, it was like, you're doing too much like kiss. You think so? to me? And I know this is going to sound really weird to me. They almost jumped the shark at that point. Really? It was like, and I, and I can maybe relate that to how kiss fans felt when they did destroyer. Uh, That's not kiss. Maybe kind of the same kind of the same vibe i still like shout at the devil a lot i think it's it's still a good album for me i didn't really by the time they did theater of pain and they went the whole glam look like poison and everybody right, else i just the, i couldn't get into that anymore me. but is it jumping the shark though when they're the ones inventing the trend right no, that's you're true. right but it just it didn't resonate with me the same way it's like their that, dynasty era well yeah in respect to sylvain sylvain who i actually know the New York Dolls invented the trend. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. um, but I mean, 
but everything Motley, this is what I so respect. I've talked to Aaron about this on the show. This is what I so respect about Motley Crue is they would they would decide they would define a look. Here's our look. Yeah, everyone would copy. True. And then oh. a year later they go, we're changing our look to this. Everyone would copy, and then yeah. so yeah. on and so forth. And it was just like everyone was paying attention to them, and like, yeah. what's Motley Crue doing? We're gonna do that. Oh yeah, totally. Just was as guilty of that as anybody. But I mean, did, in those early club days, when when you saw them before they the whole elect, Electra thing started, did you just know that like this this band is destined for big success? In my in my mind and in my friends' minds, because like I said, we were that much into it. Yeah. We already believed it. We already knew they're already stars to us. To me, they were just as big and important as Kiss or anybody else. We already treated them like that. Um, they did a um, a meet and greet in person thing at a at a Best Records in Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have the original flyer for it. Saturday, January twenty third, from one to three o'clock. We went in there with all of our crew albums and anything we could find and just had them sign everything and everybody was really cool right and we were treating them like rock gods Mm -hmm. so they were already getting it early on so i could see why they went off the deep end as bad as they did because (laughs) but they were that good yeah you you believed it it wasn't it wasn't contrived it wasn't forced it was just a natural thing of what they were doing nikki writes great tunes Mm -hmm. And at that time, Vince could sing like nobody's business. He was good back then, yeah. You know, he was, you know, everybody called him. He's the little junior David Lee Ross. Uh, totally. Except except actually he could sing better than Dave. True. But, yeah. you know, it was just it was just awesome. That, that meet and greet was just a lot of fun. And it just, I really enjoyed that. And, I mean, it was really a grassroots, you know, type of thing with what they were doing. Um, you know, Kaufman and Kaufman Productions were doing the whole, um, you know, promotional thing for them. So they kind of had their own fan club thing going on. I joined that thing. I've got a, a stack of letters sitting, you know, on my desk, um, you know, from Coffin to Coffin, talking about things you can do to help Motley Crue. And, wow. um, you know, uh, here's an ad for, uh, uh, you know, buying their stuff. You can get a T-shirt for five fifty. Buy the album for seven bucks. <laughs> wow, man! Like my photo for a dollar. I've got all this stuff that I kept, and our, it was kind of our job to go out and spread it. oh look i found some of the ticket stubs so you were Here's like right here whiskey a go-go presents motley crew mm-hmm. sunday february uh 14th 1982 six dollars and fifty cents wow man that's you know true history right there oh yeah hell i've got a full one a full one that didn't get used from the santa monica civic that was uh thursday april 8th 1982 damn uh, it man eight, you should have called me i'd have went eight dollars <laughs> and 75 cents i mean yeah just they were just so much fun to see and, and experience that. And one thing I, 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 I would like to mention um, during that time, especially at the whiskey, because what the whiskey would do is they had like uh, a projector screen that came down from the ceiling and they'd show, you know, band videos, you know, commonplace today, but back then it really wasn't so commonplace. And, you know, but they put on all different types of videos. I couldn't even tell you any of the videos. I couldn't remember one, any of them except for one. You know, and, and nobody would pay attention when you're all, you know, just talking and cheering and doing whatever else. And then this video came on and everybody shut up and looked up at the screen and it was Iron Maiden Rothschild Live. Nice. Oh, yeah. And they just, you'd have thought the band was there. Wow. It was that, 
it was that awesome just watching that and i and i definitely love that era of, of maiden when they had paul diano and doing all that stuff so it was really kind of cool just seeing that because like i said they could play tons of videos didn't matter and so was that like the first time anybody was seeing it and it grabbed him like that well i think because you know kerrang magazine i think was just you know kind of starting to come out and yeah. you know everybody was going to the record stores and you were getting all the you know the european imports you know that's how i was i was getting them i was buying all the the early maiden stuff that way through import um hell even back then um you know when anthrax was doing all their stuff the the first one for you know fistful of metal with uh, neil turbin yeah. got that on an import i got the single from them on an import that's uh, crazy an american band you got to get the album yeah. on an import yeah and it was just it was just all that all that twisted sister stuff that was released back then you know all the under the blade that was an import that you had to get and it yeah. was all all that was hitting, like I said, you know, about 82, everything was kind of hitting. So as you're kind of enjoying, you know, the club scene and doing all that, and like I said, and watching crew do their thing. And like I said, once they got signed to Electra, it was kind of like, okay. And they did Santa Monica Civic. It was like, okay, well, they're, they're done with the clubs. Who's yeah. next? So you know, one and of they're those, gone. One of those uh, whatever happened to people I've always wanted to talk to is Alan Kaufman. I wonder what that guy is up to now. Yeah. Motley's yeah, original was, manager. He was definitely out of his league trying to do all that stuff because oh, no, it just wasn't his was, wheelhouse. The guy was a he was a Vietnam vet who still had flashbacks and was basically, I mean, honestly, for all intents and purposes, was kind of out of his mind, yeah. and which you would have to be to manage Motley Crue yeah. in 1981. <laughs> so, oh yeah. You know, but I mean, those guys were unmanageable. But I mean, like you saw these guys in the early days. Like, did you have run-ins with them personally? Did you go back to? the quote-unquote apartment where all this shit no, went down? No, we, we never got that close. I mean, we weren't girls. We weren't pretty enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> you <laughs> you know, do that could uh, potentially mess up the ratio. Yeah, it just, we never got to that point. I mean, we were definitely just fans there, and we just showed up at every show. You know, that was just mm -hmm. kind of how it was. Um, it just, it made that part tough, which was funny, because like I said, we were kind of, doing the whole Motley Crue thing. And then, like I said, Orange County, August Redmond was kind of doing their thing. Because back then, nobody knows who August Redmond is today. There's a select few right. that knew. Um, they were that. they were a good, fun band. They were trying to break into L.A. bad, but they were having a hard time, especially with Motley there, because Motley was just destroying everybody. They were the kings. Um, so I had more of a personal relationship with those guys, but they would get mad at me when I'd say, I'm going to go see Motley play, but we're playing. Oh no! Now you got okay. a conflict of interest. Yeah, and and there was one weekend, like I said, where Motley did the three night deal. So I went and saw Motley Crew Friday, at uh, and I think that was at the Whiskey. So they they played Friday at the Whiskey. August Redman played somewhere in Orange County, was probably at uh, uh, the Woodstock. So I went and saw them, and then Sunday I turned around and I went right back to to Hollywood to go see Motley again. Wow! Wow! And it was man. you know when you're you know hell at that point I was what. Uh, 18 years old and, 18 and years i was old. i was working and making money you know part-time at mcdonald's and <laughs> i had plenty of money to go you know 1982 you know screw off and do this kind of stuff living in l around la close enough to go to the strip mm -hmm. uh, how, the strip how does it feel to know that you grew up just at right the perfect time <laughs> well, that's, that's what i was saying before remember you know when you're when i was younger it's like god i wish i could have right? been you know that age when kiss was breaking big um, you know and i could have seen them at that point but you know looking back on everything now no i i hit the sweet spot oh, like, to be in la at that point yeah damn right you did 
That's you get awesome. to see and, and hear all the fun stuff. And like I said, and it truly was a scene and it was a fun scene. I was a little too young. I couldn't go into uh, uh, the rainbow. I never made it into the rainbow because there was no point. What am I going to do in there? They're not going to, they're not going to serve underage kids, you know, at yeah. the rainbow. So I never made it in there. But uh, like I said, I, and Gazaris, they were still kind of doing cover stuff. So they didn't matter. And the Starwood, I think was gone at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been to the Palladium, but the Palladium was more for, um, trying to think of who the hell I saw at the Palladium. I remember seeing Saxon at the Santa Monica Civic. That was oh, kind of nice. cool. That was back on the Crusader tour. That's a great album. So that, that was kind of cool. But, um, I remember seeing Armored Saint really early on there and that was a lot of fun, but I would say the next band for me, that was, that was kind of my band for me, uh, was when I saw Wasp at uh, at the Troubadour for the first time. Well, what year, because what at that we... point, you'd been following Motley Crue. You were a Kiss fan, and you kind of fell off with all the other Kiss fans at that point, which that's always interesting to me, how to see how a Kiss fan from the old school falls off about this time, because it's usually about the same. You know, It's like you look at the music that's coming out at that point, and Motley Crue's coming up, and, and Van Halen's coming up, yeah. and Kiss is doing weird shit. You yeah, know? they're just so they're it's, weird. It's you totally know? understandable. But uh, to go on to that, and then like you, you hook in with Motley Crue, and you follow them, and you see them do their rise, and they ascend, and now they're gone. And so now it's, it's time for something new. And it's Wasp, huh? Oh yeah, for me it was lost big time because the whole it's like you're looking for the next thing and, and like I said you you're not really getting to hear music because it's not like it's online where you can go stream it for free mm-hmm. you know you got to go you know somebody's got a tape somewhere you know the old cassettes you know yeah. sorry kids but they had these things called cassettes <laughs> that were very handy but they sounded like crap and when I would normally kid, say there's no kids listening to our show but we just read a, re- a review by a 14 year old last week so that dude knows what cassettes are <laughs> yeah. because of us because of my guys kids, like us yeah my kids know it I've, I've warped them all they they hell they could probably tell you more about kiss than I can at this point because I've definitely warped them but uh, no it was just looking for the next thing and I can remember seeing the ad for wasp and it was the four individual shots and I think that was when they were doing the uh, the blood drive thing. Yeah. For the Red Cross, oh, and I right. said we gotta go see that. The dude's got a saw blade in his crotch. Right. Come on, <laughs> it's a real selling point. <laughs> oh, was for me. I was in love. I said I gotta go see this, and uh, you know, awesome. and of course, I don't think yeah, the single for Animal hadn't come out yet. Oh, this um, is real early. Yeah, yeah, this was real, real, super That's early on. Floor level fandom. And the whole, you know, the whole throwing the raw meat out. They were doing that. They had the girl <laughs> in the rack, and I'm going. And they were scary. Oh yeah. You know, today, creepy looking bunch of guys. Yeah. yeah. Especially it, Tony Richards, the drummer. I always yeah. thought Tony Richards looked scarier than any other member of the band. Yep. Yeah, he was frightening. Oh, a freaky looking guy, man. And I'm sorry, Blackie belongs on bass. I know he hasn't done it for decades yeah, now. Yeah, Blackie's a bass player, as far as I'm concerned. He needs concerned. to play bass. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't like seeing him with a guitar. Yeah, which is, it's funny. I, I like, like, the new album that's out. I like it. I do, too. I love it. Uh, and I know you and I are going to disagree on this, um, but I really love Kill Fuck Die. Eh. I, I know. It's <laughs> it's it's a very dark, very evil, not, very angry it's album. A, it's not a Man. bad album. It's and just I'm not like, my go-to. I feel like I'm the biggest Wasps fan around, and... When that album came out, I wanted so bad to like it. And yeah. I just I just couldn't. A couple of good uh, songs. Two maybe. Yeah. Two good I, songs. Uh, 
I, for some reason, that album just really connected with me, and I really liked it. And I saw them on that tour. All right, we're done. I'm giving you your um, hundred dollars back. (laughs) Oh no, 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 you can't, man. That was, dude, that was a great show. There was nobody there, obviously, because at that point they were definitely on the down and outs. But that's definitely well past the whole Sunset Strip timeline. But uh, yeah, um, they played in some God, I forget where the place was at, but it's just some hole in the wall place that was like an industrial park. Tickets were twenty bucks. Uh, a friend of mine and I, we went, literally walked, you know, right in, walked right up to the stage, and uh, you know they did the set. Uh, he did the whole pillowcase with the feathers, and he, you know, threw it all over the place. And I got guitar picks from everybody. And um, you could just walk over and pick them up off the ground. And, <laughs> and, and got the pillowcase. And after the show, we hung out afterwards outside, and I got everybody to sign except for Black, which was kind of a bummer, but yeah. it was yeah. still kind of cool. Yeah, um, it's about the only place you can play that album live is in an industrial park. Yeah, no, it's definitely got. Uh, it's it's definitely not for everybody, but you know what? Hey, like I said, there's a lot of folks out there that really love music from the elders, so I don't, you know, <laughs> well, slap them for that. But. Uh, All right, before we get back into our conversation with Gregory, man, I got to say, I feel like we're going to have to pay him $100 to get him to come back on the show right. with us. This is freaking awesome. Or he's going to start his own show. <laughs> he sh- maybe he should. You know, this is, I can see this. You, you, it's an investment. You pay you pay your $100 to become a one-time guest of the Decibel Geek Podcast with all the cool stuff that comes with it. And it's your launching pad yeah. into the world of podcasts. Or your springboard. We could do a separate show just called Springboard. <laughs> <laughs> Too many ideas. <laughs> so little time. Here's something you can do to help us out. We do take our time. You know, we we try to do this show right. You know, we do everything we can do to keep everything top notch around here. Whether it be the website, which you guys know, the website's freaking top notch. You know, and there's a lot of people that contribute to the website. Totally. Between the people keeping it running and the writers always uh, bringing in new articles all the time, whether it be reviews mm-hmm. of concerts or albums, mm-hmm. photo I, galleries, from photo the shows. galleries, man. Yeah, go back and look in the photo archives. Tons of man. cool pictures. All kinds of cool stuff. You can get lost at decibelgeek.com. Let me point you to a couple of cool things on the website. First thing you're going to notice is right up at the top, we got a couple of banners up there. Those are our Amazon links. Basically, the way it works, if you don't know, is that you guys can help us out just by simply doing your shopping through Amazon. By going to decibelgeek.com, clicking on that banner that takes you to Amazon, and then there you are. You're doing all your normal shopping. You buy whatever. You buy Kiss Records. You buy Dimebag Daryl posters. You buy whatever it is you want to do. Cars, houses. Cars, houses, boats, yachts, airplanes, Mm -hmm. helicopters. A leg. A leg. Yeah, why not? Somebody's leg. You You could probably buy it on Amazon. (laughs) Shipped on ice. Chris Sinzak sent me to talk to you about a leg. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pulling it. Don't worry. I don't know. So you can get pretty much everything. Yeah. Including apparently a leg at Amazon. But if you do it through our link, you go there, you buy your leg. Whatever you want to do with it after that is entirely up to you, and I don't want to know. But all I do want to know is the fact that what you've done is you've helped us because Amazon is going to take a piece of their money that they get, and they're going to kick it over to us here at the Decibel Geek Podcast to help us out, you know, to help us 
bribe our wives to give us more time to do these shows. Yeah, keeps the lights on. It definitely does. And uh, also make sure you, uh, when if you get a chance, if you're into really cool collectibles, and it's not even non-music stuff, collectibles of yeah. any kind, uh, our good friend Daryl Albert from HK Collectibles Inc. There's a banner on the website there. Just click on that. And there, I mean, there's thousands of things on there. So uh, and if you are into rock that and roll, and that's the reason you're here today, yeah, you can't even begin to understand how much cool rock and roll stuff he's got. It's yeah, all kinds of stuff. It's so great. his banner's right there next yep. to the, to the uh, Amazon link. And uh, also with Amazon, when you guys purchase something, I don't get your name, but I get a list of what you buy. I like this. And uh, I just wanted to highlight some of the movies and music that that uh, were bought because we had a lot of stuff get bought this past week. Uh, in DVD, <clears throat> Queen: A Night at the Odeon was purchased on DVD. Uh, Ant Man. I haven't seen that yet. No, me neither. That uh, looks cool though. Halloween Three: Season of the Witch was right bought. On. Inside Metal Pioneers of L.A. Rock and Metal Parts 1 and 2 was bought. I got to get the part 2 for that. And we got to have Bob on the show. Yeah. Uh, the Head, the complete series. I remember that. Was it a the... show about oral sex? No, no. It was oh, a dude okay. with a giant head and he had a little alien oh, right, right, inside right. of it. It opened okay. up. I remember I, that was awesome. I, I my mind went to the gutter. Forever. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then uh, Trainwreck was purchased. That's a, a comedian Amy Schumer's movie. Okay, um, cool. And MP3 downloads of the Ace Frehley 1978 solo album remastered was bought. Well, it's only the greatest album ever released. <laughs> Uh, Kiss, Love Gun, and Rock and Roll Over, both remastered, was bought. That's a good close runner-up right there. Both Gene of Simmons, them. Gene Simmons, thanks awesome. you. Yeah, we all uh, do. And then albums that were purchased, Stephen Wilson, Four and a Half, Queen, A Night at the Odium on 2LP, so somebody doubled up on that. Cool. Uh, Motorhead, Ace of Spades, and Iron Fists was bought. Yes. Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz on vinyl, and Diary of a Madman on vinyl was purchased. Yeah, yeah, man. You guys make me proud with your purchases. You guys have really good taste. Really good. Uh, Y&T Contagious. Going to be seeing them live soon. Yeah. Uh, Megadeth Dystopia. Ah, uh, the new Megadeth. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really I've not good. listened to any of it because it's coming tomorrow. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, so I'm hitting it with virgin ears it's, i can't wait it's an amazing record neil diamond hot august night a serious thrash album was bought what nah. no way it's okay people's moms can purchase <laughs> yeah put you let everybody get on that uh man. black sabbath never say die in technical ecstasy the shit yeah best period of ozzy black sabbath in my nah, opinion. i don't know about that uh triumph never surrender and thunder seven was purchased awesome we haven't played much triumph on the show we should do that um uh, love rock and roll machine yeah diamonds never want to die was bought that was one of my Top ten of the year. Yeah, the the fabulous Thunderbirds, powerful stuff, and walk that walk, talk that talk. We're selling a lot so, of their catalog now. So the fabulous Thunderbirds are basically the new yes. The new yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, ACDC, Rocker Bus. That's awesome. a great album. Steve Hunter, Swept Away. From cool. Alice that's Cooper awesome. Band. And uh, Coheed and Cambria, The Color Before the Sun was bought. Right on. But yeah, that's uh, was bought on Amazon this week. Sweet. So we got a more Sunset Strip memories to talk about. Heck yeah. And don't forget about your chance. You can become a VIP and you also can be a guest on the Decibel Geek podcast. It's all the information's at decibelgeek.com and in the link to this show. Turn your friends on to it. Help us out. We can't do a Sunset Strip discussion without bringing up Quiet Riot. So did you get to see them back in the day? Well, see, that's that's the funny part, because they had kind of really were close to hitting, you know, in 81, but right before Crew. So it was like, I think they were still in that mix, um, but I never saw them. I never saw them back in the day. That was kind of, not that I wanted to see them. I, there's two things that I would have liked to have seen over the course of all the bands that I've seen, and I've pretty much seen everybody that I would ever want to see mm -hmm. the only two instances that i can tell you that i i deeply regret not being a witness to is seeing queen live mm -hmm. 
and seeing Ozzy with Randy. Right. I didn't yeah. I didn't see Ozzy until Jakey Lee joined on you know to Bark of the Moon tour. Well, you still got a good show. Oh yeah, but I just, I never got to see Randy play live, which was unfortunate yeah. because we all knew about him. You know, sure. it was yeah, it was real easy. You know, mm-hmm. funny. You know, even back in that time when uh, uh, you know Vinny was out of Kiss and they brought in Mark St. John, mm-hmm. um, there was a guy that I had lived with as a roommate for a while that ended. He knew Mark St. John, and I want to say. For a brief period of time, he was living with him at some point. You know, this was after the whole, you know, kiss thing melted down and everything else. Because mm-hmm. he kept promising me that he was going to get me to, you know, to go meet him and everything. I said, yeah, I got to meet him, got to meet him. And never, never materialized. But, you know, just a, it all kind of goes back to that same thing. It was just a real small, you know, a, a lot smaller world than what you, you'd think it would be. That's what and I'm getting from this. Everybody knew everybody. Like, to live in L.A. at that time. Interconnected. Yeah, oh, man. What a trip. You know, and no internet, no, you know, none of the social media stuff that we have today that brings everybody together. Yeah, it was just really, you know. Out there to the streets. Oh, yeah. Everybody, you know, putting flyers up everywhere. That was commonplace. We used to go steal them because that's how I used to get all my Motley flyers is, you know, <laughs> they'd be up on the wall. You'd tear them down because, hey, that was a souvenir. I'm going to take that home with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that was... Ten minutes later, they're coming around the block going, damn it, and hanging one back up. So, well, <laughs> so, so Molly blows up, and they become big. Quiet Riot blows up. They become big. Who do you remember next, like, being thinking, well, this is – was there any bands from back in the early days that you were like, this band's going to be massive that did not end up becoming huge? Wow. You know, trying to think who that possibly could be – like. I would, the only one that really can come to my mind would really be Metallica. I said, I, I can't believe, you know, He's how big good. they became because it was like, I just did, I didn't see that then. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like a band that, you know, you're looking at, you're going, wow, these guys should really make it big. Yeah. Even with August Redmond that I really liked, yeah. they were missing something. Their, their problem really was their guitar player was, was good. There was nothing wrong with the guitar player, but he wasn't flashy like what was the right. scene. That was what was And we kept there. saying, you need a shredder. Right. You need a shredder. Well, Ray doesn't like to shred. Ray doesn't. I said Ray's a great guitarist, yeah. but he kind of reminded me almost like a Paul Stanley. He should be playing rhythm. He shouldn't be playing well, lead. And, and that's um, I don't know if, if if you've seen it or not, but a friend of mine who also hosts podcasts, a guy named Bob Nalbandian, did this. Um, I know Bob. Okay, you know Bob. Okay, I know Bob. So yeah, he, Bob's a great dude. So um, you've seen the L.A. metal thing that he put together, the documentary. I saw part one. I haven't seen part okay. two yet. And that's all I've seen. Aaron and I both have seen part one. Yeah, he sent but us the I, DVD. Yeah, um, and I think part two really hits on what I consider my era because I mean I watched part one, and when it was over, I was crushed because I'm going, well, wait a minute, we haven't, yeah. I'm not there yet. It We're was not, more I, of the I, '70s era. Yeah, but like what I when I was getting to is, um, I think a lot of people. It seemed like L, from what the vibe that that documentary gave me was that the band a la carte was really considered the top band of LA for a long time. Yes. And yesterday and today who became Y and T. Yeah. Um, those two bands were like the golden boys of the scene, but I mean, but both bands also didn't have the shredder guitar players either. Yeah. A la carte was kind of almost like a, a blues bass, like a Southern rock band. Yeah. Just a rock band. The thing I remember about them was the, was the drummer drummer had super long hair and a bandana around his Mm -hmm. forehead. And the guy could play like nobody's business. Yeah. He was a great drummer. I remember, I remember that, and I remember, it was like their tunes were okay. And I mean, I enjoyed watching them play when they'd open for Motley. Um, same thing, kind of with Stormer, yeah. Because I remember those two specific bands opening, and I know there were other bands, you know, that had opened over the the course of time. 
that I do remember seeing Rat down in L.A., and I remember really enjoying them, but I didn't. I really liked them because I know I, I, I had that, that first EP. Mm-hmm. I bought their EP. I bought Armored Saints EP. You know, it was fun back then because it, that's yeah. what you did. You bought, you know, whether it was a full-length album or an EP or a single or whatever, that's how you got all your music. You bought it that way. But it was really kind of funny because, like, once, like I said, once the crew kind of made it big and you're hitting kind of some of these other these other things, well, we're seeing the explosion, like you said, well, it's quite right, hitting it big. You're seeing the explosion of metals everywhere now. Yeah. yeah. And now you can't get away from it, and it's really cool. You know, Kiss finally uh, opens up their heads and figures it out. Oh, we really need to go back to doing what we're doing, and they release Creatures of Zion. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, and that all hit in 82. So that was kind of, and to me, that was the perfect end cap for all of that type of stuff because they played at Irvine Meadows, Uh which is here in, With Motley Crue opening. With Motley Crue opening. And they played at Universal Amphitheater with Motley Crue opening. Did you go to those shows? I went to both of those shows. Wow. So fucking jealous of you. Man. Well, I'm going to rub some salt in the wound now and I'm not trying to be just (laughs) just, I'm paying a hundred bucks. It's all right. (laughs) Exchanging information here. Um, for the show at Irvine Meadows, I was front row in the pit. Oh, I, wow. I, went to, I went to a ticket broker. I paid a whole $60 a ticket for oh, my ticket. I had to buy my buddy's ticket because he didn't have any money. So I was out 120 bucks, but he got a gene pick. So he had to give me that at the end of the night. That Bro, covered his, wow. His nice. <laughs> and, a gene pick for 60 bucks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So you just look at him and be like, hand it over. <laughs> And it was such an awesome show. And it was funny because at the time, like I said, crew was blowing up. Even in my high school where, you know, being a metalhead wasn't the cool thing. Right. Everybody, didn't matter if you were a, a, a jock or, or whatever, everybody loved the crew. And I turned everybody on to the crew in the high school because I was the metal kid. Right. And it, my stupid yearbook, that's all it says. Oh, it was so cool that you turned us on to the crew, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, and I said, okay, they're opening for Kiss at Irvine. You have to go. And I got quite a number of folks to show up to the show. And Kiss appreciates that. Oh, but it was so funny because, oh, yeah, crew's going to come in there and they're going to destroy. And I'm sorry, but I puffed up my Kiss feathers and I said, no, Kiss will annihilate them. Trust me. (laughs) Especially with that. No matter matter how good Motley Crue is, and we all know they're really, really, really fucking good, they're still (laughs) not going to blow away Kiss, damn it. Nobody can. And I'll tell you right now, because I was there, they did. <laughs> destroyed of anybody. Not. Yeah, they Kiss did. had Vinnie Vincent. That's the secret weapon. Well, see, and everybody plays that off, you know, and that's the running joke that Vinnie Vincent saved Kiss. Are you kidding? You know, and everybody's doing all this revisionist history and crap. I was there. That night, he was the MVP at that stage. Hell yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that he was going to be there. Didn't know anything about it. It's like, all right, who's the new guy? Oh, okay. And I watched him, and that's where it kind of gets back to Mick Mars. He just had a certain presence about him on stage, and especially in that makeup. And guess what, folks? Other characters do work. Yes, indeed. Amen to that. He just just completely controlled that crowd. He was not intimidated. He certainly wasn't trying to play like anybody else. He was being his own conceited self, and it was a beautiful (laughs) thing to watch. Wow. One of the reasons why I love your guys' podcast so much and all the shows you've done on Vinny, and I just eat those up. Oh, we love Vinny, man. Because <laughs> he's, 
he's a strange cat, man. I'm, I know, you know, he's got all his own crap going on and he, maybe he's not the greatest person in the world, but I'll tell you what, that night he was the greatest person in the world for me. That's yeah, the thing. We're it's amusing. easy to see why well, you earned your appreciation. Yeah, well, yeah. We're, we're a music podcast. We're not a people podcast. So if musically, the guy's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, it was just such an awesome night, man. I, That's I can, cool. you know, I remember going to the stupid merch booth and I bought, uh, Two Creatures Tour books. I bought the T-shirt. The, the What's that? You still have those? I certainly do. Those are very matter, hard to come by. As a matter of fact, the um, one of them is in a frame because later on down the road when Vinnie Vincent did the invasion, yeah. he did a signing thing at some other club in was it Garden Grove. Yeah, which is somewhere in Orange County. That's remarkable. I bought that tour book and I had him sign his page. And I got that bad boy framed, and it's up on my wall and in my office. I'm betting he signed it as big as humanly possible. Oh, he did, and it looks <laughs> loved it. It was awesome. It is awesome. It just, it, I mean, it was just insane. You know, Motley did a great set, and it was really cool. And it was just, it was really kind of a nice way to cap that for me for the crew. And then when I went back to school the next day, I asked him. I said, "Look, you guys can tell me whatever you want. Who was the better band that night?" Yeah. And every one of them said. Motley was great, but Kiss was just a little bit better. Yeah, nice. you just can't beat Kiss, man. And I said, I said, I get it, you know. So I mean, and it was just that was just such an awesome night. And you know, we fast forward to 2012 when they played at Irvine Meadows again. Yeah, together. Yeah. And I'm sorry, and and I still like Kiss. Don't get yeah. me wrong, I still like Kiss, and I don't care about the Tommy and Eric Crapola. It, it doesn't matter to me. It's I'm thankful the band's still here. And I'm, yeah thankful everybody's still alive and doing well Me too. Um, yeah. but i saw him on that tour and i'm sorry both bands that night for me were the worst that i'd ever seen yeah. oh, well man. that's pro- that part sucks. of the reason i skipped that tour because I, I i was literally looking at my watch and i've never done that for a concert looking at my watch saying when is this going to be over that's got to be tough. You, know? I mean, having flashbacks to the last time you've seen those yeah. two bands play together and how yeah. majestic it was, and then that. Yeah, I was trying to relive that night, and it just wasn't happening. No. And I brought my wife with me, and she's rolling her eyes, and she didn't go with me back in 82. Right, right. but you'll never relive that night. And it was like, oh, this is just, mm. this is just wrong, you know. And that's, you know, it was tough. You know, kind of seeing that today, but uh, so on the that, flip side, is that the greatest concert you've ever seen? It's definitely in my top five, no yeah. doubt about it. I have a hard time with that because, like I said, the first time I saw Kiss was in '79, and that definitely holds a special place in my heart. Right. I uh, I got my uncle to take me because he was I was 15 years old. Was I couldn't that, drive. Was that the LA right Forum? On. Yeah, that was at the Forum. Nice. I still have that bootleg cassette running around here somewhere. I'd love listening to it, even as awful it was, as it was with them. You know. <laughs> It's good old classic bootleg right there. Doing that good stuff, but um, you know that one was important to me. And then obviously the uh, the reunion shows. Yeah, um, right. I can't tell you how many of those I went to, but I know at the forum <laughs> they did four nights, and I went to all four nights. Yeah. Um, one of them I spent big bucks to get fourth row, and that oh, was wow. cool. Um, but to me, um, when they did Madison Square Garden, I went to three of those four nights. Really? Oh wow. wow. Really I took my wife. We'd never been anywhere except on our honeymoon when we got married back in 86. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got to go. I have to go see them at the garden. And uh, we took off and went to the garden and I mean, did a whole trip there. And it was just, it was, they were so awesome in that building. It was just insane. Yeah. That's funny. Honey, I want to take you to New York. What a coincidence. Kiss is here. 
What is the she, what is, what is your... she's used to my kiscapades, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Where uh, I, hey, yeah, I got something that's planned. Good. Let's do well, this. I was gonna say, what? How does your wife feel about your obsession with this type of music? She's used to. It. Well, we've been this year, come December, so we're still a little bit out. We just celebrated our 29th. It'll be our 30th wedding anniversary. Ah, congratulations! Year, so thanks. I mean, we've been together. I mean, I met her when I was 19. She was 15. And, um, Did you meet her on the Sunset Strip? No, actually, well, it, it, it was music-related. It was yeah. uh, at a Tower Records. Oh, right on. She was coming out, and I was going in, and she said something to me, uh-huh. and that was all I needed. Wow, a girl paying attention. Hold on. <laughs> of course, at that point, you know, I had gotten into the whole, you know, grow your hair out long, and girls dig this, and this is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a jerk. I went in the record store. I looked all around, took my time came out and she was still waiting and i said okay i know she's the one for me wow wow and nice then, you know talked to her all night long and everything else gave her my phone number called her the next day and she's all who so wow <laughs> I appreciate that i guess i made a last sticking it back to you but uh no she's she's a real trooper when it comes to all the music she likes this type of music mm-hmm. um certainly not as much as i do right. um but she's she's a good sport about things and if it's uh if it's worthwhile, then I can make it worth her while. Um, like I said, when we did the the Kiss and Motley thing at uh, uh, Irvine Meadows in, in 12, and it was terrible. Um, what a couple years a couple years later, I, I took her to go see Kiss in Vegas at, at the joint. Yeah. And on the flip side, that was one of the best. In fact, for this current lineup of Kiss, to me, that was the best time I'd seen them. I've right heard they on. were pretty great at yeah. that residency. I was sad that they didn't do it again this year because I would have gone to that yeah. for sure. Because I know we were talking about the Sunset Strip. Yes. I can tie Kiss right back into that. When they did the Revenge Club tour. Oh, yeah, the Troubadour And they show. played at the Troubadour. Yeah, that was on that the Headbangers show. Ball. I was at that show. That, once again, that could have been one of those top five Kiss performances. I bet. I bet. Yeah, I bet, <laughs> that man. That was insane. I felt the power of that watching it on the Headbangers Ball Me that too. night. I was so excited. That was like my probably the most anticipated Headbangers Ball of them all. Me too. Because it was yeah, like that, the return that was an of heavy insane kids. show. Yep. And the cool part about that one, at least for me, or the dumbest part, however you want to look at it, I didn't have a ticket. I had no idea how I was going to get a ticket. I just drove down there. I said, I have to be there. Yeah. Drove down there blind, found a place to park. First guy that walked up to me, need tickets? Yeah, how much? 100 bucks. Right. Sold. Oh yeah, and that was the only guy that I ran into, and I oh. got right in, you know, crowded right up front, and it was just, it was great. And like you said, they're doing the whole headbangers ball, and and uh, Ricky Rackman was still doing it then, right? Yep. But, yeah, well, he oh, intro- yeah, because right. yeah, we were all flipping him off. Oh no! <laughs> Why does everybody give Ricky Rackman such a hard time? I never understood that. Yeah, it was just back then. It was just I think it was the thing he to was do. Just, like, he was every he was do. everyone's punching bag. <laughs> yeah, and, like, really I even talked to him. I got to, I got to interview the guy a couple of years ago, and and I remember he talked to me about it. He was just like, I never understood that. He's like, I did the best I could, but people yeah. always gave me shit. And I'm like, yeah, he was he, a good he dude. Didn't realize it was just the, the thing, thing to do. do. Yeah. <laughs> nice guy though. Thank you, Ricky, for coming on the show. Yeah, no, I just I really didn't have anything against it, but it was just like it was kind of the thing to do, I guess. I don't That's know. It's too just, funny. It doesn't make any sense. But, it was you because know. He, was, he was the guy from MTV that had to play it down the middle, and everyone right. knew that. And it's like, let's give the guy shit. You yeah. Know? That's what it was. Yeah, very much so. Oh, and I, the other thing I remember from back in those days, uh, 
the crazy crazy nice video yeah you they were there? filmed that at um oh, what's the name of that place it was at some um it was what it used to be an old boxing ring and now they've turned it into uh this it's gonna, an Asian church, and I forget the name of what that place is. sound crazy, but wasn't it like the Montreal Coliseum or something? No, no, this was in L.A. I know it was in L.A., but it was, <laughs> it was called something funny like that, though. I remember reading about this. I can't remember the name of it, but I went to that. Yeah, I oh, went you to were that. at that the, was, the shoot for that. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And that bootleg footage that's running around, <laughs> there's about a 10-second snippet. I'm not in it, but a friend of my wife's that went with us, she's uh-huh. in it. Oh, really? So it's kind of funny where you see, oh, look, there's Angie. She's right there. You know, I just. Have you seen that footage, Aaron? Uh-uh. It's like they have, it's a, it was all the close-up stuff. And like, or in like, remember they would have a camera view that would like slide from one side to the other. Yeah. So it was like on a, on a you know, a dolly on wheels, right. camera going back and forth. And it was a lot of that. And there was a lot of, there was also one that came out with four close-ups of each band member. And it, it's re- it's unintentionally hilarious yeah. <laughs> because you're watching Gene through the entire song and Paul through the entire song. Oh wow! And you're getting Gene especially is really funny because it's Gene in the '80s trying to figure out what the fuck he's doing. Right. And, God, look, and such a rough look, time for him to look good on camera. <laughs> it was cool, a bad yeah. period for Gene. But yeah, that's cool that you were at the at the shoot for that video. I mean, I think it was a KNAC. Uh, promotion wasn't it oh yeah KNAC was so big back then i mean that was you know that was part of it too which was a lot of fun you know just they were everywhere and everybody had their bumper stickers all over the place and yeah they were supporting kiss KLOS and KMET back then nobody was doing it back then but but KNAC was doing a good job of that and, man and just what it must voting. have been like to be a dj at that radio station yeah. back then at this time how does like had to have been the greatest job of all time well, yeah, because yeah, they were letting them play what they wanted to play, and yeah. you know, it wasn't all corporate like whatever all it is now, and such a mess, and nobody wants to listen anymore. It just, it just that time was just so much fun. Like I said, even as it started to kind of dwindle away, because like I said, by the, by the end of '82 and '83, you know, all the bands were hitting. Kiss was finally back on track, so you know, I was going to see all the big name bands again. You know, whether it was you know, Ozzy, you know. Black Sabbath, that Heaven and Hell album. I know I didn't get into that like right when it came out, but I remember I saw them on the Mob Rules tour, and that was they blew me away. I just I you know, and you just start seeing all these bands, and by then it was a dime a dozen. You could go to a show, especially I'm sorry in the L.A. area, we have so many different you know venues that you can go to. Right. That you know, you could see a band every weekend. It literally wasn't that difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you had the money. Right. Um, you know, you could kind of, you could just go and see whoever, and, and Lord knows I did plenty of that. It was just, <laughs> who are we going to go see? Oh, this band's here. You know, let's go see this band. You know, I did the Us Festival in 83. That you, was, you were at the Us Festival. Oh, God, that was a nightmare. Holy shit. So you saw Heavy Metal Day. Yeah. Oh, that no, was, I, Joe, you know, was Joe Walsh. You know, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, that once again, that was a continuation of the crew. Look, the crew's going to play the biggest thing they've ever played. I got to go to that. Yeah, you know, yeah, and sure. I remember, you know, going with my buddy, the same buddy that went to go see uh, see Kiss with me on the Creatures tour. I said, "Come on, Joe, we got to go." You know, piled in my car and we drove out there, and you know, and it just it was awful. I can remember, you know, it's hotter than hell out there, and you're just mm-hmm. dying. And they were selling water bottles, little spray water bottles, for like ten bucks. Jesus, Damn. you bought it because you were dying. You needed something, and. um just the whole day. I mean, the whole day was cool. All the bands and everything else. And by mm-hmm. the time Van Halen came on, 
and Dave was so drunk, and it was such a mess. I know that was the last time I saw Van Halen. I know that was the last time I saw Van Halen. They were so... a fucking mess during that show. Yeah. They yeah, paid, I, I just... think they got paid a million dollars for that appearance. In yeah, they got something moves. ridiculous. They were late. <laughs> yeah. um, and like I said, they sounded terrible. Yeah, they uh, weren't even coherent for it. Yeah, it was just, it was definitely the worst time I'd seen Van Halen. And, and it's sad because Van Halen's still one of my all time favorite bands. And I think it disgusted me so much that even when, you know, they did this last reunion and everything else, and it's like, look, I know Dave is Dave and I love Dave. He's a great front man. He's all that. And I want to hear Eddie play, but I just, I didn't have any desire to go see the show. I was like, it's going to be a train wreck. It just, it's not. That's one band to me that you can't go back and relive the past. Kiss can do a great job on that, and they've mm-hmm. proven that time and time again. But do we really want to see Dave in his spandex pants again, you know, <laughs> or his assless chaps running around, you know, with the microphone yeah. in his crotch doing his thing? No, we don't want to see that. <laughs> and he's not doing it, thankfully. But I bought the live album. And that thing's a train wreck. Yeah. That thing's a train wreck, I, and I love Van Halen. I, but it's funny, a different kind of truth. I think that's one of the best new albums from all these old bands. It's a great yeah, album. That's really ever been released. Damn that album. album kills. Yeah, it does. It's one of my favorite Van Halen records. Yeah, I too. wish Kiss could put something like that together. Well, they put Once out again, Monster. Hate they put out Monster. Yeah, what's Monster wrong with Monster? Good. Monster just, I like Freak. I think Freak is a great tune. Um, But I think... They're trying too hard. The, the Tommy song, the Eric song, they're trying too hard to just do that same formula. It's definitely the sister album to Sonic Boom. Yeah, and I like it better just, than Sonic Boom. Yeah, it just, Thanks. neither one of those albums, and I got them both, and mm. we'll sing the tunes. In fact, my kids will tease me about it all the time. They love to tease me about that. You ask them, Tommy or Ace, and they just throw it back at me. You know, what do they, they say? Be, Let's say Vinny. Yeah, well, they'll do that occasionally, but not too much. But, you know, if, if Ace is singing a song, you know, if I'm playing a Kiss song where Ace is singing, I'll go, oh, that's Tommy. Mm-hmm. And then if, if Tommy's singing his song, oh, that's Ace. They'd love to just, that's oh. my favorite. <laughs> like, break balls. Your kids are awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they, well, they've had to put up with it. It's funny, you know. My son's better about it than my, than my daughter. Um, you know, she'll give uh, lots of eye rolls, you know, whenever I bring it up. Yeah, and, uh, and then I teased her. I said, "Yeah, but think about it. You know more than a than a lot of Kiss fans, and certainly more than your friends." And she looks at me and goes, "Yeah, you're right, and I really hate you for that." <laughs> yeah, but she's like, like, that's not necessarily a good thing, Dad. <laughs> you try someday you know? in like 2062, she'll be on the Kiss Game Show right. and win a billion dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, no, she definitely knows all the all the fun facts. Of the sad it. thing is, is you're probably right. There really will be a Kiss oh, Game probably. Show. Probably, yeah. <laughs> well, let's sure. get back to sunset strip stuff like so motley blows up quite right blows up and then we get into rat poison and bands like of that ilk were you still going to see shows at that time i pretty much had tapped out at that point it was kind of like like i said because so much was going on you know with the the bigger bands mm-hmm. you know that i just it wasn't necessarily well. I want to find that that new band that nobody knows about. It was like there was so much material out there that it really was sensory overload by then. Right. And you know, like I said, you know, I know Poison was in there, but at that time, Poison wasn't interesting to me. They're just I said that's too glam. It doesn't you know throw me. And by the time you got to Guns and Roses, I was completely out of the LA scene by that time. It just mm-hmm. you know it was 
it, it's funny for as much as people like to think that it was this really long period of time. And I'm sure for some folks, it was definitely longer than the time period that I had. But for me, it was just this really small window mm. of time, but it was just such a magical time with all that was going on. And really because it wasn't, you know, by the time, you know, like crew had broken and rat and everybody else, well, that's where it got to the point where, Hey, this band looks good. Sign them. This band, you know, oh, that they've got that sound and that look. But so they were just churning them out left All and right. right. Yeah. You know, and you sure. really couldn't tell, you know, the good ones from the bad ones, so to speak. And it was like, you know, when all the other bands were hitting, you know, and you could see everything, that was just really killer. I mean, you know, my window had really opened up. You know, we're, like I said, there was hardly anybody that I, you know, that back in that era of time during the eighties, you know. Judas Priest screaming for vengeance tour. I was there. That was the best time to see Priest. They yeah. destroyed everybody at that point. You know, like I said, you know, Ozzy at Bark in the Moon, and then and later on Ultimate Sin. Those types of tours, seeing that, mm-hmm. you know, you just all those big bands that just they were just you know coming out and and just doing all the good stuff. Or you know, hell, all these bands that were coming out and winding up opening for Kiss. You know, every year you'd see them and they open for Kiss. Saw Queensryche open for Kiss. Saw Wasp open for Kiss. Yeah. So you pretty you much know. elevated from trying to find the next big thing into kind of being satisfied with the, your your realm of bands. You know, and they yeah, I, I, I kind of got my time. feel out of it. It was like, okay, here here it is, and you know, and then all the other stuff was just hitting. It was like, you know what's you know at some point you were you were running out of time and space where you could just you know who else can i discover and there was just you know so many bands coming through you know the loop so to speak that it just it made it really easy to just let's go see them they're great let's go see them they're great you know i haven't seen them before and just so many bands that you could just go enjoy and then occasionally yeah somebody would sneak in on the club stuff and you'd go back. Okay. Well, I haven't been to you know this place in a long time. And like I said, so you'd go back, like I said, see kiss at the, at the Troubadour when they did their thing with, with, with uh, Eric Singer. And then, uh, um, I can Peter Chris, when he did the, the balls of fire stuff. Oh, you got to talk to us about this. Yeah. He played at some dump in long beach. That's basically what I can remember from it. And I can remember how sad it was. Yeah. Oh, because there was nobody there. Oh, Damn. That's so depressing. You know, Even I, out there I, in California. You, you walk in, you know, get your ticket at the door, whatever. You go right up front. Uh-huh. And he's trying to do something different. Yeah. He's trying to do a new band. What do they sound like? Because I don't even know what the hell Balls of Fire was. It was this girl singer. Jane and Book. I, uh-huh. Yeah, and I, and I don't even remember any of the music. Because it was so rememberable, I guess. Just bad, huh? I hate to say it like most of Peter's stuff. I mean, it's just, just not good. He's a great drummer and he can sing like nobody's business, but he's real hit and miss on his tunes. Yeah. It just, you know, I did. Did they try to play any like classic Peter Chris stuff that night? Well, everybody was screaming for it. And Peter literally at one point got on the mic and said, come on guys, give me a break. I'm trying to do something new here. Yeah. That's depressing. And it was rough. Yeah. That was rough, you know, to see your one of your idols, yeah, just playing in this crappy place, and you know he's trying to do his thing. It's like this ain't working, 
Pete, I, yeah. I I love you, buddy, but you're not going anywhere with this band. It's one of those bands, like you said, could you see a band that was going to go places? Yeah. This one wasn't going anywhere. Well, and I it heard was, that, that, can you imagine being that poor chick? Well, I heard that she, like other people I know that have seen, that saw Balls of Fireplay live, they said that she was much annoyed by uh, the Kiss fans that were crawling out yeah. for Kiss songs. And, yeah, they they, yeah. they really were trying to put that to the side, like, no. You know, I mean, I don't blame like, Peter for hey, trying. Hey, bitch, it, get though. get out of here! I want to hear some Baby Driver. Yeah, oh, I did have done that. My God, that place would have went nuts just because. Oh cool. man! That but that's what he should have probably done at that point and said, "You know what? Just just go. You know, you still get paid. Right. I'm just gonna bust out some Baby Driver and some Black Diamond, and we're gonna wrap it all up with some nice hard luck moment and Beth. You know, yeah. make all these people happy. Right." Yeah, so it just that that one was kind of rough, and then one of the other later towards the end of the whole, you know, kind of the club deal and everything else. I'm trying to remember where it was at, but more importantly, that it's the band that will really be the fun part of it. I saw Cold Gin back in the day oh, doing wow. their tribute stuff. You know, before before tribute bands were the thing. You know, mm-hmm. and Kiss was still definitely into the whole non-makeup we don't care about that type of stuff mm-hmm. they came out and did their show and they were good yeah they had a uh, guitar player named tommy Thayer. that's right yeah there's a like, funny little guy right there that was really killing it and uh, jamie st like james doing the, uh, the right peter chris role and they were good yeah jamie st james was playing peter chris yeah, yeah they were really good in black and blue yeah well yeah, yeah. And he's he a multi-instrumental yeah. multi-talented guy and chris mclernan from saigon kick was the gene simmons in the band wow Yep. Yeah, that was that was funny, you know, because when you're watching, you're going, yeah, this is really cool. And then, you know, fast forward however many years it was. I'm like, wow, okay, now it's a little bit different. But, you know, it was, that was fun. You know, so you, you would start doing that type of stuff. Um, I know, uh, you know, Ace, when he was doing some of his earlier stuff, I'm trying to remember um, if I'd seen him anywhere. I know when Vinnie Vincent Invasion, when right before they blew up, one of the last shows they were supposed to play was somewhere um, small in Anaheim mm-hmm. and we had tickets for that show and it got canceled because obviously everything imploded Yeah, the band and we didn't get to go to that. So you didn't get to see them live? I did get to see them live. Um, I think just one time and, and that was when they, is that when they opened for kiss? No, they didn't even imagine. No, they but they opened for somebody. Imagine that's how that song. would go Slaughter, down. Slaughter opened for kiss. Yeah, that's right. Slaughter opened for kiss, but then he opened for some, cause I did see, I did see the invasion. Oh, okay, and and that was for me. That was cool. Wait, Everybody, wait, like, the invasion uh, opened for Alice Cooper and Iron Maiden. That was probably the show then. Was that, that with was, Robert or Mark? I, yeah, because uh, I did with see, Mark. Robert yeah. was only there for the recording of the album. Yeah, so he never even never Robert played never, live with him. Oh wow! Yeah, and I just remember his solo being the longest thing ever, and it, sure. to me, it was wonderful. I loved oh, yeah. it. I loved it, but that's you know, I, nobody's going <laughs> to agree with that it's one. That's won you over a long time ago. Oh yeah, no, he was just, he was awesome. And I, I had met him, like I said, he did a record signing thing and then he was at, um, the NAM show. This was a long time ago, but he was at the NAM show well after the invasion stuff had all imploded. And I don't think euphoria was out or anything like that, but he was there mm-hmm. and my wife is with me. Cause once again, she supports all this dumb stuff. <laughs> and, uh, so he was there and I get real starstruck real easy. So she's doing one of those pushing me into, well, go say hi. <laughs> she kind of gives me the push to go, hey, Vinny, how's it going? And he he couldn't have been nicer to me. Oh, he yeah? was super nice to me. Probably talked to me for a good half an hour because there wasn't a whole lot of folks there. And uh, 
and it was funny too because you know talking about this oh, i got this new album coming out blah 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 oh i'd really like to hear it. he's like hey why don't you give me your number and i'll call you so i gave him my number and i literally sat there basically by the phone for a week waiting for this oh thing. man never that never came through Aww. but you know when you're dumb and starstruck you'll do if you'd given him about $500, he might have given you a Yeah, it might have been back. But he didn't ask me for any money then. I oh, probably would have no. given it to him. But No, he, no. Was, he was still very much on the up and up around the time that I'm thinking you're talking about, like late yeah. 80s, early 90s. Yeah, he was he was just super nice to me, super humble. Yeah. You know, That's so that was nice like, to meet him. Different and, versions of Vinnie Vincent you get from different people. Yeah. You know, Greg has been wow. a long, Greg, Greg has been a long time listener. Hope and somebody feels like we're doing some good in the he, world. He and I have bonded <laughs> over Vinnie Vincent stuff for a long time, so this is not news to him, I'm sure. No, it's uh, like I said, it's uh, it's it's certainly been a lot of fun tonight. You know, chatting with everybody and enjoying things, and you know, reliving a lot of good memories down the old Sunset Strip. Like I said, that that it was a, a lot of fun. You know, to be there. It's funny, like I said, you know, you listen to all the different podcasts that are out there and people talking about, well, it was like this. And like, you guys have so much information and, and, and know all the dates and all the different stuff. And it's like, because I look and I go, I can't remember all that different stuff, but I was there. And it's just, it's fun for me listening to it because to me, every time you guys do one of those types of shows, whether it's, you know, uh, 1980 revisited or whatever, it's it's like going down memory lane for me. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I remember this. I don't remember that or whatever. And just, it's cool listening to it. And I like to listen to it for, in essence, for the accuracy is just to hear, okay, yeah, it was like that. Or no, I didn't really get that part right. And, you know, by and large, you guys get everything right on the money. It's like, I'm going to catch you guys in something wrong someday. And I just, it hadn't happened yet. So it's well, like, I'll tell you this, man. I trade you all that homework for living it. Yeah. Anytime. anytime. Oh, it, it was definitely fun. Hell, I, oh, the, there was one other thing that I, that I wanted to remember about the, the, the Sunset Strip that was really cool. Because keep in mind what the fashion of the day was between the spandex and all yeah. the studs. And, you know, it's and I'm sorry, Paul Diano got one that went from, you know, his wrist all the way to his elbow. Yeah. You ran out and got the same one. There was a place called British Imports on Hollywood Boulevard. I think it was pretty close to Hollywood and Vine. And you'd make that drive just to go down there and you'd pick up all your gear from that place. Right. That place, it had, you know, belts and studs and, you know, whatever. You just, you'd, the fashion definitely was a part of it. I mean, it, you know, as ridiculous as that all looks now. Like um, your rock wear. It was all part of it then, and you were proud, you know. And it, you know, then it got to the point where you can't wear this in the show and that in the show, so you had to leave everything at home. But you know, you'd wear it, you know, go to parties or whatever. I mean, it got me to, you know, it definitely got me to play. I played for a little while uh, uh -huh. back in the day. I played bass, and uh, um, you know, got together with friends and we did some stuff. And I actually played one show at uh, at the old Woodstock Concert Theater. We uh, we got in there and played a show. We did like six tunes. Um, and it was really sad because we slapped this band together like in a week or something like that. It was just the singer was a girl and she knew somebody at the club probably did something to him. Who knows? Um, and we got this opening gig for whatever the night was. And uh, so we got to play. So we had to slap everything together. I could right, barely right. play bass, but it didn't matter. Um, my roommate, um, uh, he played drums. Uh, so we did this six song set with a drum solo, the longest drum solo ever, just so we could stretch everything out to make it, uh, <laughs> to make it happen. And it was fun. You know, it yeah. was really neat to kind of do that, but it was like kind of one and done and, and kind of burned out after that and said, ah, that's, you know, I don't have that talent. I don't have that gift. Well, Cause you could, you could really start to see that those that had the gift yeah. 
of being able to play. And some of that to me was it's, it's part talent and it's definitely is part who, you know, I think sure. like we were talking about before, you know, Alan Coffin, he did a lot to help out Motley Crue. If it wasn't for him, I don't, I think they probably would have still made it, mm-hmm. but he helped ex- expedite that process oh. by what he was doing to push the band. And I really do think that it made a difference. And that's part of the reason why, you know, they took off as fast as they did. I agree. Sure. Well, it's, the guy, it's talent, it's luck, yeah. it's timing, it's guy, so many different factors. From what I know? gather, at least through reading through the, the book, The Dirt, that guy sacrificed a hell of a lot to, yeah. to put them where they were. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, well, let me ask you this. What was the name of the band you were in? Oh, it was, you'll never find anything. I, I defy you. It was I'm called sorry. Wicked City. Wicked City. And, Wicked City. And that's boy, were we band shitty. Name. That's how it all works. Wicked City sure is shitty because that's we were terrible. <laughs> God, was terrible. Hey, was at least good. you got to get up on that stage one night where you seen some of your rock and roll idols play. Oh yeah, no, I was rocking the spandex pants, the platform shoes, a little <laughs> eye makeup, and everything. Oh yeah, it was. There's photos of that somewhere because I know somebody took pictures, but hopefully they. That's that what we from. need for the artwork for this episode. Yeah, we need the pictures of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it was pretty brutal. Well, there there actually is one picture, but you'll never get it. That. Oh. Um, at the time when I was, you know, going through all that, like I said, it was much the process. Uh-huh. Um, my mom took this picture of me, and I was all in my gear, you know, spandex pants, the the belts, and the bandanas, and everything else, and the sunglasses, and a stupid leather vest with no shirt on, nothing like it, an 18-year-old kid with no developed chest, <laughs> you know, looking like this so complete, you know, gangly-looking thing, and she snapped this picture of me. Well, my dad decided to take it down to the one of those photo stores and blow it up into like one of those poster sized prints. Oh wow. Well, I've got that poster sized print. Yeah. And every once in a while my lovely wife likes to break that out and show my friends and they keep threatening that they're gonna get a hold of that bad boy and post okay. it on Facebook. I said, No, I'm you're gonna, not. I'm gonna have you ever shown you. the kids? Oh yeah, the kids have seen it. They they all know. They all know. It's it's you know, at the time it was cool, but yeah, by today's standards, certainly one of life's little embarrassments. But Oh hey, man. It sounds pretty damn cool to me. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a fun time, that's for sure. And so, uh, are you gonna be mad if I contact your wife and have her send that to us for the artwork? <laughs> well, if I would, I'd really worry about it if she was able to, you know, figure out all that good stuff. But you know, she winds over just checking her email, so I I think uh, I'm pretty safe. Damn. But you know what? I like if a challenge. If it's yeah, if it's important enough to her, she'll probably figure it out. But Chris, if you do that, I'm really gonna have to come to Nashville and I don't know, do something, do something bad to you because it would not be pretty. I just it. And that was how the Decibel Geek Podcast came Ended. to an end. <laughs> yeah. Welcome our new host, Greg Muse. Is uh, Chris is suddenly uh, passed uh, on to greener be here this week. He's dead. Barrel's yeah, dead too. But you know, thanks to all you geeks of the week that loved my episode so much. I'm back. It's the Greg Muse show. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start with some new items here. We're gonna you know we're gonna gonna be.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 